0: So I've got a joke for you Jindo. A man is in Tokyo and he goes up to a taxi driver and he says, "How do I get to Ahegi Temple?" And
1: the taxi driver says, "Practice." Oh, oh, well I think uh you got to practice on your timing with that joke. But it's not bad, my friend. Not bad. (laughs) Now, your joke replaced my opening that I suggested, which was as someone who cannot play the shakuhachi, I was going to say, I've been practicing all week. Listen to me. And then I was going to put on, you know, this YouTube of a master shakuhachiist. That was me. We would have known.
0: You showed me your shakuhachi and the mouthpiece is damaged. So I can't imagine you'll get any good sound out of that.
1: Well, also, it's not just a mouthpiece. I wouldn't get a good sound out of it, no matter what I did, but... uh, Right. That's our subject today. Practice... Practice. ...makes imperfect. Non-practice makes perfect. Yes, yes, because in our Zen practice, we practice practice, and there's nothing to practice.
0: It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? Maybe we should just end this episode here, because if there's nothing to practice, there's nothing to talk about.
1: Well, it can't get any better than this. Well, hopefully it will because uh, we got twenty four minutes to fill here. So, what about practice? What do you think about Zen practice? What is your image of Zen practice? Zen
0: practice is the doing, right? The, the term. Practice, someone from Tree Leaf was telling me recently that people who come to Tree Leaf don't understand what practice means. They think they're supposed to practice scales like on a piano. The easy way to look at it is there are two sides. To any activity. There's the theory and the practice. The theory is how you do something, and the practice is the doing of it. And, well, for us, it's a non-doing, but it's the bit that isn't the theory, if that makes sense, in Zen.
1: That's, that's very right. We practice in Zen with the idea that there will never be perfection, but it's already perfect. And we will never get to the end, but we will get just right here. And that's why actually English practice does not really fit the Chinese Japanese word which is gyo. Ah, of course gyo. Yeah, gyo. Let's gyo. Gyo <laughs> has a feeling of something like it's it's a doing that is also sacred, so it's a sacred doing. And the more hmm. we do the sacred doing, the more we manifest Buddha. Okay. Master Dogen said that the doing is enlightenment, if you do it with the right attitude. And if you do it with the wrong attitude, it's just doing stuff.
0: Hmm, just doing stuff. So how do you know if you have the right attitude? Aren't, doesn't that make something to try and strive for?
1: It's the non-striving, even as we keep going, that is vital in Zen practice. Right. I know, and we keep we're going to do
0: a lot of nons in this episode, the non practice the non striving, and all that, but how do you know you have the right attitude? Is it something that you learn? Is it something that just happens to you over time, or can you read about it in a book?
1: There are some books that are part of our practice to read, and then we put the books
0: like the Zen master's dance, for example,
1: a nice plug there, fitted right in, very good, yes, uh, by <laughs> Jendo Cohen, yes, excellent, but then you put the book down, including my book. And you do in the doing. And it is the doing of the doing. This is even getting let me tell you, this is even getting confusing to me at this point. What else? <laughs> you know? But it's the doing of the non doing. It's the doing of the non doing that makes it the yo doing. We better go back to the start and just get back to the basics here. Let's 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 start again. What are the basics? All right. Okay. What are the basics? Master Dogen said That we act in certain ways, with peace in our heart, trying to be generous, trying to remember that every moment is sacred, but also with no goal at the end, that it's somewhere down the line, somewhere in a year or even a thousand lifetimes. We'll get to this point right here, right now, if we act with a pure heart, with goodness, with peace. We are making Buddha come alive right here. So it's not a question of practicing to get to Carnegie Hall. When right now you're playing the piano and you hit the beautiful notes, you are bringing the music to life right here. And this is Carnegie Hall. Now, there's an asterisk. The longer you do this, you'll actually get better at it. So you're practicing the practice. You're practicing the practice. And it's not just about Buddhist practice. Think about it. If you are doing anything, let's say from karate to cooking to uh, playing the shakuhachi as you do, to learning to tell a joke, anything you do, if you do it so obsessed with getting finished and to the end, it's going to be a miserable trip too. But if you do it with the thought that every note you hit on the instrument every cake you bake even if it turns out to be a flop every breath you take every breath you take yes everything you do is somehow sacred and complete just as it is but yet you keep moving forward and also you 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 have equanimity you accept that you know there are ups and downs some cakes uh, are great and some cakes flop some notes are perfect and some notes are going to be off The more you play, however, I'm sure there'll be less off notes, but you're not wrapped in getting to the end of the composition. The whole trip along the way is practice. So I'm going to suggest that enlightenment,
0: and I'm doing air quotes because I don't want to suggest that enlightenment is just that easy to get to, but enlightenment comes when you have learned that you no longer need to try to get enlightened.
1: Master Dogen said that practice never ends as long as we're alive, because there's always the next moment and the next. In this moment, you could act like a Buddha would act with peace and equanimity and realizing the sacredness of this moment. And the next minute, you stub your toe, and you start cursing and get filled with a upset and anger, and there goes the whole thing out the window. Even a musician, you could be playing a beautiful composition, and the next moment, you're get some distraction and you start hitting those bad notes. Every moment is enlightenment, but every moment is also a a renewal. And we have to face that moment as it comes, one by one. But
0: that sounds like every moment we have to re-attempt to achieve enlightenment, but that's not it. We have to... Drop off the idea of enlightenment, right? To understand that we're already enlightened.
1: Exactly. It's actually the relaxing, the ease, to the just realizing that we're you'll do your best and it won't always succeed, but you keep going. The 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 putting aside of the anger and the frustration, the feeling of sincerity about what is going on in this time. This manifests Buddha but it's a relaxed feeling. It's an easy feeling. If you stress and say, oh, I've got to relax. I've got to relax. It's the opposite of relax.
0: Hmm. So someone who sits Zazen every day, six hours a day, an hour here, an hour there, Mm -hmm. are they going to get closer to enlightenment or are they just kind of like Zeno's paradox, where each time they get closer, they're never quite
1: close? You know, I heard a talk by my teacher Nishijima Roshi yesterday, and uh, he actually touched on this issue. Uh, was this from the famous dish rack teaching tapes that was just discovered? The dish rack. I came up with that, those that name because he was in a little kitchen in his retirement department. There was no place to film, and he gave a little set of little uh, answers to questions, sitting next to the sink in his little kitchen next to the dish rack. So it's the dish rack teaching. Yes. I'll put a link in the show notes to the YouTube page of what was his name? Gustav Eriksson, my Dharma brother, also Nishijima Roshi's student. He's also a a fully ordained priest in the Swedish Lutheran Church, by the way, and a Zen teacher,
0: uh, too. Okay. So get back to the teaching of Nishijima that you wanted to talk about.
1: You can sit Zazen too much if you do it like an addiction, like a hunger, like a, a thirst to get to enlightenment. We sit literally putting down anything but sitting just this moment, and then the sitting is complete. Now, that doesn't mean you sit for a second, but it doesn't mean you sit for a hundred years. We sit for a certain time in which each moment is the arrival. Each moment is perfectly what it is. We, we, We don't grab on thoughts. We let thoughts go. We sit with a nice, balanced, comfortable posture, but we sit to sit. We do it just to do it. This is gyo. This is a sacred doing. Practice. Yes. That's why Zazen is done just to do it, but you can do it too much or not enough, too. You know, if you just say, well, it doesn't mean anything. I'll just sit for a second and run off. Something's lacking there, too. We sit for a certain time with the idea that this is beyond measure, and thus we sit. I remember either in a book or a teaching that I
0: listened to, someone asked a meditation teacher, not necessarily a Zen teacher, How long should they meditate for? Should I meditate for 20 minutes? And the teacher replied, it's odd that in the West is 20 minutes is meditation standard time. That for some reason, people have settled on 20 minutes as the time that one should meditate or sit zazen. Is there a right
1: time? About 20 minutes, actually. (laughs) And there's a reason for this. There's a reason. I just told you that Zen is timeless, right? But it takes a while to realize that. For example, imagine this. You're coming from your busy day. You get up in the morning. You're running to do things. You got gold, right? You just got things you got to do. Your head is filled with a a mile of thoughts. Then I say, okay, sit down, put it all down and realize there's nothing to chase after. It (laughs) it takes a little while for most people. Now, if you get good at this, which you do because it is practice and you do get better, even though there's nothing to improve, right? Yeah. You get better at more quickly realizing that oh i'll put the chasing down i'll put all the goals and measures down i'll put the sense of more is better down i'll put the sense of what's happening tomorrow or happened yesterday down and you can do that more quickly because you're experienced and more practiced at doing this but for the average person beginning to transition into that it may not take 20 minutes i tell people Sit for 5 minutes, or 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, or 20, all to realize it's not about measures of time at all, that every tick of the clock holds all of time in the universe. And also, sometimes sit for an hour. Sit at a retreat for days. Because there is benefit sometimes in sitting longer. You sit longer and more intently, all to realize it's not about long or short at all. Yes, it's another conundrum. I find that when I sit,
0: it takes a couple of minutes or a few minutes for my heart rate to slow down, for my breathing to slow down. Just the physical aspects takes a few minutes. Because you've been moving around, you've bowed to your cushion and all that, and so you've been active and you have to calm down. And all of that is important. So at a minimum, you've got that first, let's say, three to five minutes, depending on who you are, before you actually have settled physically.
1: I'm I'm going to say something that's a little sacrilegious, and and, and not the first time on this podcast, but it's not a matter of getting, sitting, and you attain a state and holding it for the entire time. It's a little like changing weather. Now, it's really good if you can sit, put everything down, find this clear, non-attaining, peaceful, equanimous heart, and just stay there, and then the bell rings. Oh. Twenty minutes, it felt like a second. Where did it go? And you're done. That that's a wonderful sitting. But you know what happens to me sometimes? I'm sitting and it takes a while. I get settled. Okay, I'm settled. Oh, and then there's something else pops in and I start thinking about something. I get settled again. Oh, it happened again. I start thinking about it. I gotta get eggs later. Wife said, get eggs. I, I I don't mean to make egg jokes. You're in the UK. I know they cost a fortune over there now. So, uh, but anyway, uh, if you can during a sitting have even a space in which your heart settles, and it's beyond measure, I would call that truly seeing something. It's like the clouds in the sky, and for a while, if they open and you see clarity, that's wonderful. And if the clouds return, they return. But you've seen this clarity the point is not to hold the clarity all the time I'd like to say the point is to realize that the clarity is there in the clouds and that you realize the clouds in the sky are one
0: It's true that a lot of people think that sitting zazen or sitting meditation the goal is to be in a state the entire time and be blissful right and in fact a lot of the old pali uh, canon sutras talk about bliss and all that, but that's not what it is. It's, it's more navigating the ship among the waves, isn't it? It, it
1: certainly, as a sailor, cannot only have clear weather. And a, a Zen fellow must know that the, the the mind changes all the time. It's not to hold a single state of mind always. I don't know where this idea developed in, in Buddhism that is to obtain this one perfect uh, note if we say in musical terms, and just hold it forever. As a matter of fact, I saw a a wonderful uh, video with a master violinist, and he's on stage and he breaks a string, and he keeps playing. And then he suddenly hands the violin to the first chair, who who exchanges violins, and they keep playing. A master knows how to keep going with all the ups and downs. A master sailor knows how to batten down the hatches sometimes. It is not about holding a single state. It is knowing how to sail the ups and downs of this life, which I think is a much better skill.
0: But just riffing on that. Here's a musical story that I think you'll appreciate. I saw yes at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I think this was 1978.
1: My favorite band uh, in the round? eyes light up.: Was they in the round? Yes that one? In the I round. was there to be yeah. for that tour down the sportatorium tournament Fort Lauderdale. Oh man, that was that was great. I, I'm a big yes fan. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, that was great. And it was the first time I had seats for a big concert really close to the stage because they sold the tickets initially and I had seats in the middle of the floor and then they announced that the, the stage was in the center. So you had to exchange your seats. I was like in the sixth row. It was awesome. Anyway, Steve Howe comes on and he plays the acoustic song from the Yes album called The Clap. And he's playing and he's playing and, he's playing and he breaks his E string, the top E string, and he just moves his hands up and continues... To play the song. And on a guitar, basically you move five frets up and the notes on the lower strings are the, the notes of the next string. And he just played through the whole thing. He didn't miss the beat. Oh, uh, you know, hey,
1: Alan White on drums, right? John Anderson, right? And the bass player? Yeah. Rick you know? Wakeman. Rick Wakeman. There yeah. you go. Yeah, that was oh man, that that was that that was great. You're you're taking me back. But this is <laughs> and by the way, you know that yes sent me on this course to Zen teaching? I don't want to say it was hanging out in the dorm room, smoke, smoking the wacky tobacco. I don't want to say it was that. <laughs> there was a time that I sat and listened to Zen, Zen records, I'm going to say. I listened to, for example, Close to the Edge. Yeah, I understood every word that what they were saying. I understood it all. All of it. All of it. Years later, I went back and listened to it again. It made no sense. And I actually met John Anderson. You know? And I, I met him at a social occasion and I got to tell him this. And I said, you know, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. What does this mean? And he said, it came from a heart. I'm not sure. So I I think it's wonderful. Even he doesn't know what it means. <laughs> but anyway, we're, we're getting off track. Yeah. If you're a musician like that, you must practice. We must practice. Zen is practice. The monks get up in the morning. They do their rituals again and again and again. They have the ritual of how to wash their hands. They have the ritual of how to cook. They have the ritual of how to put incense on the altar. They have the ritual of how to bow. They have the ritual of all rituals, which is to sit Zazen, all to realize that, like the musician, it's all the ritual. The whole world is a symphony. The whole world is a concert in the round, man. And we play it, (laughs) even when our strings break. Yep. Yeah.
0: And E-strings do break very often on the guitar.
1: So how
0: should we practice? It's like uh, you're playing a piano, you learn to play scales or guitar, any instrument like that. Is our practice just the doing,
1: or is there a practice for the practice? People think that uh, the mindfulness means that every time you wash the dishes, you have to be so wrapped up in washing the dishes that every dish becomes the whole universe and the the moment of washing dishes and that our goal is to be like this 24/7 and i caution people that i don't think that's good or practical or even healthy i don't think it's good to be that way but here's what i recommend to folks during your day at any moment pause take a breath and realize this is sacred i'm here in the middle of time and space in the universe You know, putting a Band-Aid on my kid's knee or putting gas in the car. Wow. And and the gas came from dinosaurs, man. Now, again, I'm getting a little, (laughs) you know, I'm getting a little wacky there. But every action truly is sacred. You don't have to realize it every moment of every time. But I recommend to people, I'm just going to toss a number off the top of my head, six. Six times a day, stop, take a breath, look around and go. Wow, just being here is amazing and sacred. Every once in a while, wash the dishes in which you truly feel the water and the dish, and there's no before and after, and it is a sacred doing. Every once in a while, just cook a meal and think that this is a sacred ritual, as sacred as anything you do. Every once in a while, just look around and breathe during your day. That's enough. Because like the sun and the clouds, you will realize that it's always sacred, even when you don't realize so. And you don't need to realize so every moment of every day. Now, asterisk, ask me what the asterisk is. What is the asterisk? There you go again, correcting my pronunciation. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Don't fall into anger. Don't fall into extremes of desire. Don't fall, fall into jealousy. This is our practice, too. To keep moderation, especially in harmful ideas, are you? Am I pronouncing ideas wrong? That's yes. Yeah, idea. And it doesn't have an arm in the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm from the Bronx, that's how we pronounce. It. Anyway, <laughs> uh, don't fall into extremes of attachment and greed and hunger for things. Our practice is also to be moderate, to let go, to be peaceful, to be equanimous. Did I pronounce equanimous right? Yeah, that's good. Okay, I'm getting better. You're doing okay today. All right. Except for the asterisk. But you don't have to be every moment of every day, a walking, talking Buddhist saint. Just once in a while, realize that the open blue sky is there, the peace and equanimity, and that every moment is sacred, even when you don't know so, and don't fall into extremes. If people want to know what I recommend for their practice, it's this don't fall into extremes of anger and jealousy and such every once in a while just realize it's all a sacred ritual everything's a sacred ritual
0: and sits Zazet. i think in tiknot hans tradition they had the idea of a mindfulness bell yes. that would ring at random times and when the bell rang you were to stop and appreciate what you were just describing appreciate
1: the world and the sun and the sky and all that i went to an indonesian festival um, this weekend, and they had set aside a little room where five times a day, the Islamic Indonesians would pray. And I, I kind of was walking down a hall, and I kind of looked in the door. Oh, it was that room. I, I, I respectfully bowed and, and, and stepped away. But I think the reason has something to do with what you just said. Five times a day, they take a moment just to put everything down and realize it's sacred. That's a good thing. Even if they
0: do it on a schedule, I think with Thich Nhat Hanh, it was sort of a random number of times a day. Um, but even if you do it on a schedule, if you can fit it into your work life and family life, doing it on a schedule is a nice thing. Set a reminder on
1: your phone I'm to sh- say, just breathe. I'm sure Apple sells, sells, sells a mindfulness watch that does this. And every once in a while it vibrates and you're supposed to remember, oh, it's sacred. And, uh, okay, then you get back to work to buy your next uh, Apple Watch. (laughs) (laughs) But don't be greedy, even for Apple Watches. Okay, Roshi, where do we go from here? Every moment is sacred. Wherever you go, it's gyo. If you
0: enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating, tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.